Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. to the relaunch of the cheapest meal presented by Deep Fried Draft. My name is Brian Bosarge, and uh, we're going to get it off with a rousing start today. We're going to have a guest come in in just a second. Uh, but first of all, just want to introduce uh, what we're going to do here, and this is going to be all draft talk all the time. Is it going to be 2018, 2019? But this is what it's going to be uh, going forward. At this time, I want to welcome in my special guest this week. He is the Associate Editor and Chief Scout for the Great Blue North Report. He's one of the true OGs of draft media and a good friend of mine, Pigskin Paul Gilmet. Paul, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing fine, Brian. How about yourself? Uh, not too bad. Sweating. I know it's probably hot down there in central Florida where you are. It's the low 90s here. We, we just went on right past spring. Yeah, we skipped spring as well. It's not too bad today, but yesterday at 8.30 at night, it was still 92 degrees over here, and the humidity's picked up, but it's supposed to rain all weekend, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> I don't I don't know when we're going to get the rain, but uh, Paul, let's get right into it. Uh, the draft's been over for about two weeks now. I want you to go ahead and tell me, what are the give me one or two teams you thought that are most improved after the draft last weekend. Um, I I don't want to sound like a homer having lived in Wisconsin for 40 plus years, but I do think that the Green Bay Packers were amongst the winners and they, my comment would be, uh, it seemed a little bit top heavy when you use your first and second round pick for cornerbacks, but they were in pretty dire straits, talk a little bit, Paul, and I think now, looking at their depth chart with a couple of the veterans like Tremont Williams, who they brought back to town, who now eventually, even in the short term, may end up being more sub-package and backup guys than starters while the young guys start, I think they've gone from bad to at least average around the league. And in the course of doing all that, they also managed to give themselves two number one picks for Next year, the only team in the league right now that has that. So I think they did fine. Uh, Some people have criticized because they used later picks to draft a long snapper and a punter. But I think it needs to be said that for three straight seasons, the Packers have been looking to find a new long snapper and have ended up defaulting back to Brett Good, who is a good 
long snapper, but he's getting into his 30s, and he's become a very expensive commodity to have, and they're trying to save every penny they can to get Mr. Rogers signed up long term. So even some of those questionable picks were good. I must tell you that I was absolutely shocked at how well I think Dave Gettleman, who I am not a fan of necessarily, did with the Giants draft out in New York City. I think they did the right thing to bank on Eli Manning having a few more seasons left, and that allowed them to take Saquon Barkley, who I consider to be the best running prospect to come out of college football since Adrian Peterson came out of Oklahoma more than a decade ago now. Uh, Then they got a guy I know you like very much, and I was very impressed, especially with when he showed up at the Combine, 13 pounds lighter than he had played at the Senior Bowl, and that's Will Hernandez from UTEP. I think he and the veteran free agent signing of Nate Solder away from the Patriots makes the Giants all of a sudden go from a horrible offensive line situation to likely as good a left side of the line as there is in the NFC because I think Hernandez is an instant, instant starter. Plus, then they went out themselves, the uh, backup quarterback, I think Laletta, who impressed most of us at the Senior Bowl, is a better long-term prospect for them at the quarterback position uh, than Webb from last season. And they actually went out and got a couple of linebackers, which traditionally has been a strength for the New York Giants as an organization. And that has just slipped away, and their linebacker play has been mediocre at best. You throw in the trade for Alec Ogletree that Gettleman pulled off, and then you rolled in with Carter from Georgia. And I would say to you, I think those are probably my two top drafts. But if I looked real hard, Brian, I would say there's another three or four teams that are close to them. I think the the overall depth of this draft really played out. And when I sat down and took a look at J3 draft picks for an awful lot of teams, it looked like they got some serious contributors, if not starters, for their rosters. So most people had a really good draft, in my opinion. Yeah, no doubt. I I, I do like what the Giants did, especially in the uh, first three rounds. Uh, Will Hernandez, I, I'm like you. I, th- if this guy goes in the top 20, it wouldn't have bothered me a bit. And for them to get him to the top of the second round, I think, was, was stealing. Um, yeah. Well, there there are winners, so there has to be some losers, Paul. Uh, what team? What one or two teams has left you scratching your head when the when uh, time was done? Well, I'll tell you what. I understand why, but by the same token, I think as the saying goes, I always like to say, Brian, some of these teams can get a little too cute for my taste, and I personally think after a good solid start to things, the Philadelphia Eagles got really cute with only five picks to work with. I think they got off to a good start with Dallas Goddard because they lost two tight ends in free agency. I think Avante Maddox, who they took in the fourth round, was a really good pick, 
I was over at the Shrine game, and I will tell you, he really stood out as a feisty, quick, aggressive nickel cornerback. But then they took Josh Sweat, or Sweet, depending on how you want to put it, um, who I think a lot of people still have some serious questions about the medical on the knee that he tore up two seasons ago. And then they go out and they take Matt Pryor, a a 360-pound Andy Reid elephant on parade, who I think at best might work out as a move inside the guard, and then you go out and you get a rugby player because he's six foot seven and three hundred and forty five pounds. To me, well, that outline getting... reel was fine though, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, absolutely. If I if I'm a you know if if Philadelphia has a rugby team in some semi professional league, I think they should be delighted. But I I just think with only five picks, I don't think you can afford to be cute, and I just don't see how they got a lot accomplished. I, I've, had, I've heard some people saying that they thought they did really well, and after they get done talking about Dallas Goddard and maybe Maddox, they have nothing left to say. Well, I don't care where you finished the year before. When you're only getting two guys out of a draft or three at the most that are going to contribute at all, that's a pretty poor effort in my opinion. So, yeah, the Eagles, I don't think did a whole lot to help themselves when it came to the immediate future, maybe not even for the long range future either. I would have said to you that the Texans didn't do very well, but that's not fair because when you don't pick until the third round and as long as Deshaun Watson comes back healthy from his knee, That's still a good deal because you've got yourself your franchise quarterback. I think the, the other team that I would target here is I think the demise of the Kansas city chiefs has begun with the strange, in my opinion, effort and decision by Clark hunt to decide that, John Dorsey doesn't fit his plans after rebuilding that roster and getting them into at least reasonable salary cap situation. And he's going to basically turn the whole team and everything that they do over to Andy Reed. I think Andy kind of put himself into that position with the Eagles and it was starting to get ugly at the end. And I'm just going to say to you, I like some of what I saw from Breland speaks last year at Ole Miss but not enough to draft him in the second round of the draft. Well, they're um, also saying they're going to play him at linebacker, which is what And that linebacker. Me. I mean, yes. I mean, I thought he was yes. a five tech all day, and now you're telling me he's a, line, a linebacker? I'm not buying that. Right, exactly. I question that as well. I also question them um, taking Dorian O'Daniel from Clemson at pick 100 at the end of the third round. I think O'Daniel potentially – could could end up being a superb special teams player. He could be the next Matthew Slater. But I don't think they or too many teams can afford to pick this kind of guy who's 215 pounds, which even in today's NFL where you want your linebackers to be able to move and cover, I still think that's a pretty small guy. And he has he hasn't shown me – or too many other people that I'm aware of, I didn't see them saying they were going to play him at safety. 
So you throw that together, and Derek Nottie might be okay, but you know, then then in the sixth round they pick Reggie McKenzie's son, and immediately tell you they're going to move him probably to offensive guard. I am very skeptical, Brian. This day and age, you don't see too many success stories going from college to pro NFL football that really work out very well when you do a major position change, like taking a wide receiver at the last minute and saying they're going to make him a cornerback. Or in this case, taking a kid who played defensive tackle at Tennessee and we're going to make him an offensive guard most likely. Um, I think the Chiefs are on their way down and young Mr. Hunt is going to regret putting all of his eggs in Andy Reid's decision basket. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of their draft. I'll tell you one draft I, I, I almost just out like was disgusted by was Oakland. <laughs> I I just I, everything outside. I mean, I basically had positive value grades on two guys they picked. One is a knucklehead off the field, Narden Keith, and the other yeah, may yeah. die of a heart attack on the field. Those are the only two positive value grades I had on the Oakland draft, and don't even get me started trading three picks to draft Brandon Parker. Oh, cause horrible. Just horrible yeah. decision-making no, there. At, uh, yep, I agree with you, and I, and I agree with your assessment as well. I had uh, – you look, I look at their top five picks, and every one of them was drafted well ahead of where I had them ranked. And as you said – you know, my comment was this draft, to some extent, Brian, looks to me like Al Davis is still wandering the hall somewhere out in out in Oakland with that team. Um, I like P.J. Hall. He did some nice work over at the East-West Shrine game. But to be the 57th player selected, uh, no. that made no sense to me. Like you say, Arden Key, absolutely – is a is a strong is one of the top three candidates from this draft to end up in jail before he goes to a Pro Bowl. Um, right, and Maurice Hurst is you're right is very questionable. I'd say the best the best two picks they got, but again you got a troubled player. Azim Victor had a very checkered career uh, with his coaching staff and off the field, and he and their last pick I think Aitman Marcel Aitman from Oklahoma State picked way uh-huh. down in round seven might end up being one of their more productive rookies out of this class. So yes, I would agree with you. I'm looking at Oakland and I'm saying, Oh man, I think John Gruden had too much of a voice in, in these picks because uh, yeah. you think about it, Brian, and these don't, this doesn't look like the kind of draft list overall that Reggie McKenzie has been picking in previous years since he moved to Oakland as the GM. No, and uh, absolutely not. That tells me that John Gruden's calling the shots now. Reggie McKenzie's probably going to be GM in another team here in a couple of years. They, well, I bet you when they move to Oakland, he and he and his brother will pack up and be gone someplace else. I agree with you. All right, uh, what was the biggest shocker for you? What player going in the first round was the biggest shock pick to you? Um, I, I think I had kind of a toss-up here, and clearly 
Terrell Edmonds from Virginia Tech uh, going at 28, even though it was late in the round, uh, I I had just moved him into my top 100 the week before the draft. And I remember tweeting around, Brian, because, you know, we're, we're in a group of people that we know a lot of folks that participate in that top 100 contest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I might have been only like one of two guys out of 12 people that I chatted with that even had him in the top 100. Now, I will he was say 140 this. for me. <laughs> okay. I had him at 87. And, and, again, I had just moved him up there. Um, now, I will say this, though. Long term, I think he's got a very good chance to pan out and be a good player. Plus, listening to some of the scuttlebutt after the draft, I feel a little bit better about that pick for them when I hear them talking about this may be the guy that realistically he's not going to play safety for them. He's going to be the speedy linebacker to replace Ryan Shazier. So maybe maybe in two or three years, that looks like a, a pretty darn good pick. But for now, I think it, it was kind of questionable. Um, I will also say, Brian, not that I objected to him being in the first round, but for the 49ers to grab Mike McGlinchey at number nine, excuse me, that one to me was a shocker. Uh, you, you would almost think that maybe Scott Wright had a speed dial number to call John Lynch <laughs> to get one of his golden domers in the top ten. To get you know both I, of his offensive I can line say this. I honestly 10. believe that. I honestly believe he's the tenth pick to Oakland if Forty ers don't take him at nine. <laughs> you know what? I, I think, think you're right. I, I I think you're absolutely correct. I that that thought occurred to me, and I think. I think maybe Mike Mayock and a couple of other people might have said that same thing. We already mentioned speaks. I, you know, but that was at least the second round. Um, yeah. So Rashad Penny uh, was know, the name that, that, that uh, stuck out to me as the shocker first round pick. I had at least heard scuttlebutt that Terrell Edmonds may go in the first round. I didn't believe it, but I had heard it. I had never heard anybody uh, yes, have Rashad yes. Penny in the first round. Yeah, me too. I'm with I'm with you there. It, I, I just didn't. I heard the rumor too, but I I just didn't believe it. Um, and not to pick on you, I should throw in one more name. And this is a fault of mine, unfortunately. Um, I understand that the Bengals needed a center, but I think a more savvy and aggressive guy running the draft than Mike Brown could have traded back and picked up an extra pick somewhere and still gotten Billy Price, uh, you know, nearer the end of the first round. But by the same token, Brian, he's going to, you know, if he, he's going to start from day one and he may still be playing oh, center no for them in 10, 10 years no if he doesn't. Well, you I know mean, what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the franchise's first pick that his dad made when he took Johnson out of Tennessee, the center. Well, it's their fault they publicized how much they love Frank Ragno uh, before the draft, and then the Lions just take him one pick before because they know the Bengals yeah. don't trade up ever. But uh, yeah. 
Let's uh, let's move on to everybody's favorite topic: quarterbacks. Uh, which quarterback <laughs> uh, is going to have the most success as a rookie at, drafted out of round one? Um, as a rookie, you're saying now? As a rookie, um, you know, you know, I actually do believe that there's a good chance. Now, success is relative, all right, but I actually do believe that Baker Mayfield may be the most proficient rookie quarterback. I think he's going to play the soonest. I'm I'm not buying I'm not buying the Tyrod Taylor tale. Um I I even if he doesn't get hurt, I'm not convinced uh, the wild card might be Josh Rosen because even before Tyrod Taylor might get hurt, we know Sam Bradford might get hurt. So I guess well, what I'm saying, Brian, yeah. is I, I look at all five of those guys and I say the only way, really, that any of them are going to have a full season impact is going to be injuries forcing them into the starting lineup. And there could be a couple of situations where if they're forced in too soon, we're going to create a, a, the next Blaine Gabbard out of the situation. That that's you know that's what I'm going to be watching at really more than than who does well. I want to see who gets pushed in way too soon. I don't want to see it, but I, I'm waiting to see it. And then they just fold up like an accordion. And bottom line is, unless somebody rescues them out of that lineup as quickly, you know, like last year with Peters, Nathan Peterman up in Buffalo when they decided they'd give him a look see. Uh, and what was it? Four interceptions in the first half alone. Um, it was not great. I, I I fear that we will have somebody that is going to do that kind of you know a Josh Allen, a Lamar Jackson. One of those guys could really hurt themselves getting in there too soon. That's the story I'm more anxious to watch. All right, let's uh let's flip the gears now, and it's never too early to look ahead to the 2019 NFL draft, is it, Paul? So uh, tell me, well, two guys, it is when you're it is when you're, old, this it is when you're an, it is when you're an old guy like me, and I can only I can't I can't <laughs> I can no longer double dip and multitask. <laughs> I will I will all right, but what I will say I'm going to cop out, but what I will say is. Uh, what I think we're clearly going to see next year, and there will be a couple of surprises, but I think what we are clearly going to see in the 2019 draft and on the prospect board is we're going to see a flip-flop of what we saw this year. I think we're going to be looking all season next fall trying to figure out if there are even three quarterbacks that are going to go in the first round. And if any of them are top 10, conversely, it's the wide receiver group, assuming again, assuming we have a hundred underclassmen come out, the wide receiver group is going to look significantly better, especially at the top. I love Kelly out at Arizona state, but he's not alone. There are other guys uh, that are going to be better than what they had this year. And as we all know, Firing injury, there's an awful lot of excitement that whereas the, the pickings look to be fairly slim for edge rushers this year, 
next year is going to be a lot better, and there will be a lot more of the edge rushers next year who actually can play defensive end or outside linebacker as opposed to this year where I think we've got some incredible projects that are going to have to be undertaken. And I think a good example of that, I'm digressing here, but I think a good example of that is I never thought that Hercules Mata'afa from Washington State was a top 100 player. But I also did not think he would not get drafted, Brian. Um, No. Because he's he's got a big motor, he's got a big heart, and he's got some pass rush skills, some edge rush skills. But I honestly think that he didn't get drafted because nobody could quite figure out, you know, where are we going to actually put him for more than a couple plays of possession as a as a pure and simple pass rusher, and I, that one just blows me away you'll excuse me you didn't ask me this question but of all the people that didn't get drafted one of the ones i understood the least was hercules not getting drafted at all uh because in this day and age of specialists and edge rushers being one of the biggest specialties around in significance i think i think he's going to make i think he's going to make he's going to make the team and he's going to he's going to have some kind of impact before this year is over as an undrafted rookie free agent. But I, I think next year, that's what we're looking at is if if you didn't get what you needed this year at certain positions, especially quarterback, you're going to be singing the blues next year. Um, it's going to take some redshirt sophomore or some junior that has had very limited playing time is going to have to just step up and blow our socks off for us to get excited about quarterbacks next year. What, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. Defensive line's where it's at next year. Uh, but I want to talk uh, quickly because we're running out of time. But I got uh, two wide receivers I think we're going to see in Mobile next year. that I, They're smaller school guys. I want you to put them on your radar before the season. Marshall okay. wide receiver Tyre I, – I don't, I don't know how to pronounce his first name. It's spelled T-Y-R-E Brady. He's a Miami transfer, 6'3", 208. The guy is tremendous. Uh, I, whenever I was watching Chase Litton, he's all that I watched because he was tre- okay. a tremendous player. And Anthony Johnson of Buffalo, uh, another 6'2", guy. I think we're going to see both of those guys in Mobile next year. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. How about that? Well, we're going to we're going to wrap up the show here. We're going to talk about uh I think it was a big story for both of us this week, Senior Bowl and uh director Phil Savage mutually quote unquote parting ways. Uh I know the gr- game it means a great deal to both of us. Uh, I went to my first Senior Bowl in 1987 when I was 8 years old. You've been covering the game for 20 years. Uh what do you think this means for the game uh going forward? Tough to call because I think it. I think what we all would likely agree on, Brian, is that I don't see where they are going to get as knowledgeable and excuse the excuse the phrase, okay, and as savvy a guy as Phil Savage, you know, who's got NFL successful NFL background, a local guy who understands at least some 
you and I seem to think he might have overstepped a few things, but he understands most of the politics in, in the Mobile Bay area. Um, I don't know, you know, who they're going to find and where they're going to find someone who's going to come in and uh, have the savvy, have the background, have the contacts. Um, and I'll say what I've always said, Brian, and I haven't heard too many people disagree with me over the years, and it's not my original thought anyway, but, you know, what separates has separated and continues to separate the senior bowl as a game and an event from the shrine game, from the NFLPA game, et cetera, et cetera, is that the senior bowl has historically had the strongest, deepest ties directly with the NFL. And that is a huge boon for them in the sense that it gets the publicity it gets the NFL people talking about the Senior Bowl, and because that's going on, it impresses the agents and the fact that you get actual NFL coaching staffs coaching the game as opposed to celebrity coaches, especially at the NFLPA game. This is going to be a tough one, and I don't yeah. know what their direction is going to be. I sure hope one thing, though um, – I hope the rest of the staff can stay in place and they don't shake this whole thing up and start from scratch. Uh, Cause I think that Phil's number one assistant, Rob Lee hockey has been a real steady right. influence behind the scenes on this game. He's the computer guy. He's the media guy. And I hope they keep him and uh, they just get a director that's, you know, I don't know what to wish for for the director. I really don't. How about you? I don't either, Paul, but we're out of time. So thanks thanks for calling in uh, today. We'll do this again soon. Okay, thank you for having me, buddy. Take care. Hey, Paul, appreciate it. That was Paul That was Paul Gilmet of Great Blue North Report. Uh, thanks for him uh, calling in today on the, the revitalized cheapest meal presented by Deep Fried Draft. Thanks, everybody. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.